0: It's Friday, June 5th, and you're listening to The Uprise Daily. This is a grassroots effort from activists around the country to compile information about protests that have been happening in the wake of the police murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. Our work is by no means comprehensive, and it's all being done on a voluntary basis. With that said, here's what went down yesterday, Thursday, June 4th. In Los Angeles, California, protests in the thousands spread throughout the downtown area, Fairfax, Long Beach, Pasadena, and elsewhere. Police used batons in several instances against them. Multiple LA groups came out against the viral 8 Can't Wait reforms, stating data is misused and misinterpreted and that cops can never hold themselves accountable. Arrests in the last week in the city have included almost 85% for violating curfew and less than 10% for looting. UCLA provided its baseball stadium for the LAPD to process and detain arrestees, and the LA Convention Center has been co-opted as a landing site for the California National Guard. In Oakland, California last night, there was a small march of a few hundred people. Police protected their headquarters as usual, but largely let the march happen. Earlier in the afternoon, the city's curfew was lifted. There were also marches in nearby suburbs and small towns, including El Cerrito, Pinole, Richmond, and more. In San Francisco, California yesterday, an estimated 15,000 people joined a march led by city high school students. As night fell, around two dozen of them were kettled and arrested for a curfew violation. There was also a separate vigil last night for Sean Monterosa, a 22-year-old man from San Francisco murdered by Vallejo police during protests and looting Tuesday morning. He was unarmed at the time of his death. There are marches planned in his honor today in both Vallejo and in San Francisco's Mission District. In Washington, D.C., for the past seven days, people have been protesting with a massive and violent response from law enforcement and various military and federal agencies. Thursday night was calmer. Despite the rain, thousands of protesters of all ages were out on the streets for the seventh night in a row for the first time since Saturday without a curfew. Fences remained all around Lafayette Square surrounding the White House. In Dover, Delaware, at least 100 protesters rallied in Delaware's capital, marching through downtown streets and shutting down traffic. Protesters went on to shut down traffic on both sides of Route 13, the largest highway running through the city, for over an hour. At an intersection, protesters stopped and laid face down with their hands behind their backs for 8 minutes and 46 seconds as black protesters used bullhorns to shout quotations from the video of George Floyd's murder. When a white motorist threatened protesters with her gun, the police refused to act to protect protesters. Dover is under a state of emergency and has imposed a 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. curfew. In Middletown, Delaware, hundreds of marchers took over Main Street and held a rally in front of Lewis L. Redding Middle School. In Newark, Delaware, approximately 100 people held a sidewalk march In Orlando, Florida, protests started on May 28th at Derek Chauvin's Orlando area house and then moved to downtown over the weekend. Police have been using tear gas and pepper spray every night since then to disperse crowds. June 2nd saw one of Orlando's largest demonstrations, bringing out over 2,000 people who marched peacefully until tear gas was deployed to break up the crowds at 10 p.m. curfew. On June 3rd, 14 peaceful protesters were arrested trying to leave the 8 p.m. curfew zone, including one juvenile who was tased and a woman who was thrown to the ground resulting in a broken nose. In St. Petersburg, Florida, peaceful marches have been taking place in and around downtown since last weekend, with police often using projectiles, tear gas, and flashbangs to control crowds. Yesterday, organizers staged at City Hall instead of the police department after repeated violence by the police during previous nights. The daytime march included up to 200 people, and there was a slightly larger nighttime march. In Atlanta, Georgia, multiple protests happened yesterday, beginning with a 1,000-strong march headed by Bernice King. Around 6 p.m., multiple groups coalesced downtown and were met by massive amounts of riot police and members of the Georgia National Guard. For the first time in a few days, it was reported that no tear gas was used to clear the streets for the 9 p.m. curfew. Throughout the day, six arrests were made, a large drop from previous numbers, 43 on Wednesday and 52 on Tuesday. In Iowa City, Iowa, an estimated 2,500 protesters successfully marched onto and shut down Interstate 80 without incident around 10.30 p.m. on Thursday. Law enforcement did not react with force and facilitated the shutdown of the six-lane highway. This was a stark contrast from the previous night when Iowa State Patrol officers in riot gear used tear gas and flashbang grenades to repel protesters near the same point, causing several injuries. The mayor also attended Thursday's march after expressing disapproval of law enforcement's use of less lethal munitions on Wednesday. The protesters planned to march again today. In Chicago, Illinois, yesterday a crowd of 8,000 people marched from Lincoln Park High School to the Juvenile Detention Center, while thousands of others marched on the Chicago Public Schools District, demanding cops out of the schools. And white vigilantes patrolled the streets of Bridgeport with baseball bats for a second night with the apparent approval of the Chicago police standing nearby. Mutual aid networks continue to grow as jail support operates around the clock, bailing out and waiting for the 1,600 people arrested over the last five days. News also broke that the president of the Chicago Police Board was beaten by police at a protest on Sunday. The police board is the independent entity tasked with deciding disciplinary cases involving the Chicago Police Department. Hours before being attacked, he had praised the professionalism of officers the previous night. He has since filed a complaint with the Civilian Office of Police Accountability, adding to the more than 350 complaints of police misconduct filed since May 29th. In Fort Wayne, Indiana, on the seventh day of protests, a unity march was held yesterday. The mayor and members of the Fort Wayne Police Department marched with hundreds of protesters, but no apology was given from the city, the mayor's office, or the police department for attacking protesters earlier this week. This led some to refuse to march alongside them, labeling the act as a publicity stunt. In Louisville, Kentucky, rain did not stop hundreds of people on night eight of the protests in the city. The mayor is lifting Louisville's curfew, effective immediately. In Silver Spring, Maryland, hundreds of cars and thousands of people held a caravan protest to hold space for outrage for black lives, including the lives of Montgomery County residents Finn and Bear, Robert White, and Emmanuel Ukatuga. In Detroit, Michigan, around 300 people marched from police headquarters downtown and back. Again, the police kept their distance and did not enforce the 8 p.m. curfew. In Kalamazoo, Michigan, the past 10 days full of otherwise peaceful protests were interrupted by police violence in the form of tear-gassing unarmed protesters laying down on the ground. A curfew was in place for one day and at least four houses were set on fire. That was earlier this week. Small daily protests have continued since. 16 people have been arrested this week so far in connection with the protests. In Minneapolis, Minnesota, after a week of intense riots that left almost 70 buildings in rubble, including a police station and another 450 damaged, neighborhood watches are starting to wind down but will continue through the weekend, and a citywide curfew is being lifted tonight. Many neighborhood groups are transitioning from protest to policy discussion now, with many advocating for abolition or defunding of the police. Northern Ireland's disbanding of the RUC in 2001 has surfaced as an example, and the governor is reportedly opening a special legislative session for immediate reforms focusing on state rules that stand in the way of disbanding the Minneapolis Police Department. There is also a large-scale and ongoing effort collecting and distributing supplies to meet the needs of communities affected by the uprising. In St. Louis, Missouri, there has been protests in a number of suburban towns. In Wentzville and St. Charles, hundreds gathered in the traditionally more conservative area of the region yesterday with signs, banners, and chanting. In Florissant, Missouri, neighboring Ferguson, several hundred gathered to march, chant and carry signs. Missouri National Guard troops were present at the police station. In Brentwood, Missouri, despite the earlier tension, the crowd was calm and held signs calling to support Black Lives Matter. In Asheville, North Carolina, at the request of a direct ask from multi-generational black organizers in Asheville, protesters did not violate the 8 p.m. curfew imposed by the city. Instead, a large and peaceful candlelight vigil was held in downtown with a few thousand people in attendance. In New York City yesterday, 300 to 400 people were arrested in protests, with the majority of the arrests occurring in the Bronx. Activists in the Bronx have been calling the arrests entrapment by police, as activists say they have been cornered and stranded without transportation or exit, as well as being violently assaulted and tear gassed last night. There has been one major incident reported of an activist being beaten bloody by police and having his arm broken. Three houses of worship, six theaters, and the Brooklyn Museum have opened their doors to welcome protesters during daytime hours for food and shelter, and also to take shelter if anyone is stranded after the official curfew of 8pm. The New York City Police Department are holding protesters for longer than 24 hours, a new lawsuit alleges, and there are reports of police destroying protesters' phones and property while they are being held in custody. There's also reports of protesters being interrogated by the FBI about their political opinions and why they're at the protests. In Albany, New York, in the past week, there have been large protests targeting the city's two police stations, both of which were met with violent pushback and extensive tear gassing of low-income, primarily black neighborhoods. On Thursday, a press conference at City Hall drew protesters who then held a march, which has been daily in Albany. Later, hundreds of people marched peacefully in nearby Schenectady, New York, blocking downtown streets for two hours. Police have stopped reporting the names and number of people arrested each day, preventing legal teams from assisting them. In Buffalo, New York, two police officers were suspended without pay on Thursday night after a video showed them shoving a 75-year-old protester who was hospitalized with a head injury. The protester, who was seen on video motionless on the ground and bleeding from his ear, was in serious condition late Thursday night. In Columbus, Ohio, city officials announced today that they are reviewing the death of Sarah Grossman, a 22 year old Ohio State graduate who died of an asthma attack at a local hospital after being tear gassed by Columbus police during protests on May 30th. In Cincinnati, Ohio, Thursday marked the seventh straight day of protests in the city, with at least hundreds and some days thousands marching every day. Hundreds were arrested earlier in the week, with over 300 arrests after a large protest on Sunday. Yesterday at a demonstration of hundreds at City Hall, the Cincinnati Black United Front, Ohio Justice and Policy Center, and other civil rights activists publicly released recommendations to create greater police accountability. Those recommendations included supporting the quote, refresh of the collaboration agreement, a court-ordered police reform effort established after the 2001 riots and the police killing of of a 19-year-old unarmed black man named Timothy Thomas. In Portland, Oregon, thousands of people turned out for the eighth straight night of protests, marching over the Morrison Bridge to Waterfront Park to hear speeches from black leaders in Portland. People began gathering at the Justice Center as the night continued, facing down officers through a chain-link fence recently installed around the building. As a result of the uprising. After midnight, the crowd sang Happy Birthday to Breonna Taylor. The police used a long-range acoustic device, or LRAD, to send pain-inducing sounds into the crowd to disperse them and made 12 arrests. Earlier in the day, Portland Public Schools announced that they will be discontinuing the presence of armed police in high schools. In Eugene, Oregon, protests started on Friday the 31st and have continued every night since. Eugene police began roaming the downtown area in armored vehicles, indiscriminately gassing and shooting less lethal weapons at protesters and uninvolved bystanders. Yesterday, between 400 and 500 protesters marched in the downtown area starting at 6pm. At 9pm, protesters occupied a busy downtown intersection, blocking traffic by lying down on the ground with their hands behind their backs for 8 minutes and 46 seconds. In Philadelphia, Pennsylvania yesterday, public demonstrations continued for the sixth straight day in a row with thousands of peaceful protesters taking a knee in front of City Hall and leading a march to Independence Hall and the Liberty Bell. On the evening of June 3rd, the Pennsylvania National Guard stationed themselves at Westchester University, about 30 miles outside of the city. Students, alumni, and faculty circulated a petition opposing their presence on the campus and gathered 4,000 signatures in 24 hours. The university's president then announced this morning that the National Guard have vacated the university. Charges were dropped against a 21-year-old protester arrested Monday on allegations of assaulting a police officer. After video footage surfaced yesterday of the protester backing away from the officer, one officer striking the protester in the face, and a second using his knee to press the protester's neck into the ground. In Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, more than 1,000 protesters marched through downtown yesterday, continuing nearly a week of protests. There had been a curfew in place in the city, but it expired on Tuesday at 6 in the morning. The mayor recanted his original statement that it was, quote, smoke, not gas, used to disperse protesters after the city paper reported and a video surfaced showing cops in riot gear, using rubber bullets, and tear gas against the protesters on Monday. He also called for an independent investigation into the falsified police report from that evening's protest. At least 22 people were arrested on that night, and a few of those claimed injuries from the assault. In Nashville, Tennessee, an estimated 20,000 people showed up for a protest organized by Teens for Equality yesterday afternoon. SWAT officers responded to a group with guns walking across a pedestrian bridge during the rally. Who claimed to be a staunch Second Amendment supporters group, only one was given a citation for not having a permit. In Houston, Texas, protesters marched in Baytown, a Houston suburb, after a video was circulated of a local cop aggressively arresting two men. The march also focused on the May 2019 shooting of 44-year-old Pamela Turner, who was shot three times during an arrest for outstanding warrants. Articles and criticisms have also circulated widely about police chief Art Acavedo, who has become prominent in the media for being supportive of protesters. Many Houstonians say they are tired of the police chief saying the right thing in public, but allowing the same problems he speaks against to fester behind closed doors. In Austin, Texas, on the seventh day of protests, the Austin Justice Coalition called on the Austin City Council to defund the Austin Police Department and invest that money into resources for black and brown communities. Justin Howell, a political science student at Texas State University who was shot by police with less lethal rounds, remains in critical condition with a fractured skull and brain damage. In Seattle, Washington, after a week of violent tear gassing and attacks by police and massive looting of downtown and surrounding neighborhoods with over 55 arrests, the protests have now lasted well into each morning hour at police barricades. Last night, another large crowd gathered on Capitol Hill in the thousands and marched to the youth detention center. At least one arrest of a cyclist was recorded, and the mayor of Tacoma, Washington, is calling for the firing of the officers involved in the recent shooting of Manuel Ellis. In Milwaukee, Wisconsin yesterday, a march started at the Wisconsin Black Historical Society in the center of the city near the west suburb of Wauwatosa, historically a sharp division between black and white communities in the city. Protest leader Frank Nitty was escorted by armed civilians due to threats made on his life the previous day. A second march started at Cathedral Square in downtown and marched through the Marquette University campus and across the 16th Street Bridge that was the focus of Milwaukee's historic open housing marches against housing discrimination in the 1960s.